Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Never Seen It. This is a podcast about movies that we have not seen yet. I will be your host today. My name is Betsy, and with me, as always, is Trent. Hello, host Betsy. That's me. Today, we are watching a movie from 1984 that neither of us have watched. Trent picked this one out. We are watching Repo Man. Repo Man. So, Trent, why did you select Repo Man for this episode? So, for a number of reasons. Number one, this movie has just been around since I since the year I was born. I was born in 84. And it has just been this, like, white whale of a movie that I've heard about decades and decades from people that I follow on social media who talk about movies. Now... I don't really know much about it. Betsy and I watched the original theatrical trailer, and it doesn't really give you a whole lot. The only thing I really know about it is that, you know, Emilio Estevez is the main actor here, and he plays a guy who repossesses vehicles, a Repo Man. Yes, I have heard the phrase Repo Man, but, you know, in real life, not in movie world. Right, and from the trailer, it seems like there's maybe some kind of weirdness to it or a supernatural bent to it. And yeah, it it just seems like it is a movie that is kind of understated coming in, but then it kind of reveals itself uh, as the movie rolls along. And yeah, it's just going to be one of these movies where it's got a mind of its own. This is definitely a cult classic. Yeah. Uh, you were saying that this is actually in the Criterion Collection. It is. So it's not like this is a small movie that no one's ever heard of. This is something mm-hmm. that has been acknowledged by the people yeah. of Criterion as an important film to... I guess, pass along for the generations. It's it's at least an interesting movie. It is at least an interesting movie. Apart from the fact that Emilio Estevez is in this, before we watched the trailer, I couldn't have told you anything about this movie. And watching the trailer, I didn't really understand what it is I'm looking at. Yeah, and like based on what I've seen about it and like descriptions of it, it's very punk rock. And it's very like... Not, yeah, it's very punk-ish. I was going to say steampunk, but no, this is more like 80s punk. (laughs) And I don't know from the trailer if it's going to be in the future, the present, if there's like a weird sci-fi element. Right. I don't have a clue what this movie is. (laughs) And maybe for the best. I have have described this before. There are certain movies that I know exist. Like, Mm -hmm. I know the name of the movie, but I could not tell you a damn thing about it other than maybe the star. And this is one of them. Yeah. So with that, I think we're just going to go do it. We're going to watch Repo Man, and we will be right back. Repo Man, Trent, do you feel sufficiently punk rock now? Yes. Betsy, this movie defies description. (laughs) So let's just end the podcast now. Good night, folks. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Holy shit. What the hell was that? So we could have just as well put this in our weird movie series. We certainly could have put this in our cult movie series. This movie stands alone, though. This is, uh... This is weird. This movie's weird. It's out there. But it's not bad. It's just no. very weird. <laughs> it's very weird. And again, I, how do you, like, someone comes up to you and asks the question, how would you describe Repo Man? 
What would you say? I would say it's weird. I, I don't That's know. That's not a genre of film, though. Okay, I would try to explain it in such a way as to convey there's punk rockers, there's crimes, there's maybe some aliens, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a Malibu, there's government agents, and a car flies, a glowing car flies at the end. Again, that is the most schizophrenic way of describing this thing that is a schizophrenic movie it's crazy it really is kind of back and forth like quick cuts you're watching these two guys have a conversation in a car but their their outfits keep changing because it's taking place over the course of several days and then there's just these weird little vignettes of them repossessing cars and sometimes it goes well and sometimes it goes really, really badly. Like, what is this movie about? Is it about the practice of repossessing vehicles and the life that these guys live? Is it about, you know, government agents on the lookout for aliens? You should be in a, into a movie like that. Conspiracy and yeah. reincarnation and time travel. UFOs all up in this piece. But also punk rock an anti-establishment. Right. But then the main punk basically does a 180 and becomes a 1960s businessman. <laughs> kinda? Kinda? Yeah, this movie is a lot of things. Uh, one specific thought I definitely have. Quentin Tarantino's definitely seen this movie, right? And so has Guy Ritchie. I got more Tarantino than Guy Ritchie. Obviously, you've got the trunk with the, con the glowing contents of that course, you never see. Of course, But there's more to it. Like, they're just having these weird philosophical conversations the whole movie. They have these weird scenes where everything's kind of out of, not out of sequence, but in a weird flow. Mm-hmm. Down to the music. Like, there's literally, like, the beach music during the chase. Yeah, yeah. And, like, Hispanic music. The guys, their competitors are driving yeah. around. And I was like, I've heard this kind of music before. And it's, it's been LA. In, it's L.A. So, yeah, there's just a lot here where I'm like, yeah, he's definitely seen this movie. That yeah. man's seen so many movies. Yeah, the style is very, very... Uh reminiscent of, of a Tarantino type thing, something that he kind of adopted in his own style over the years. But where I'm coming in, I like the movie that I would compare this to is Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Okay, I get that. Now so that you say that. think about all these different groups kind of coming together over one thing. In that movie, it is all about these fucking guns. But it's not about the guns. It's about all of these different groups of people doing their own things separate and apart from each other. Some of them kind of know each other. Some of them don't. And by the end of the movie, the thing that they're going after kind of is just nothing. They all intersect because of the same thing. And in yes. this movie, it is a 1964 Chevy Malibu. Yeah. And we don't know why they want it precisely, but all the repo men know there's a big reward out on the car. Right, and the car itself is inconsequential. It is what is in the car that is important. But we don't know that. We don't even know what the hell it is. We don't ever see what's in the car. They tell us without telling us. They yeah. say, like, the title card is showing the map of, of New Mexico, yeah. whether it's, like, different towns in Los Alamos, which is where they did the nuclear Los tests. Yes. <laughs> they, yeah. There's a mention of Roswell somewhere in yeah. there. Yeah, And they talk about, like, nuclear something or other. Like they're most of the details that people are giving you yeah. are when you're like cutting away from the person who is saying it. So you could just as easily miss every one of those items. 
telling you what's going on yeah. here. The guy in the car who's driving it the entire time is talking about a neutron bomb that is designed to kill people, but leave its infrastructure intact. So it's like, is that what's in the car? But then they're on about aliens and he's right. got dead bodies of aliens in the car. Right. Like what? Like this, this woman is like working for this alien obsessed thing and there's government agents stalking her and they're tapping her phone and she has a photo of dead aliens that she's going to just sell to the, to the tabloids or get onto Johnny Carson. <laughs> like it is just all over the place. And meanwhile, you have Emilio Estevez who is a teenager. It says he's 21, but actually he's 18. Yeah, he has a fake ID that says that he's 21. But then when we look at the government computers, it says, oops, actually he's only 18. And he just sort of accidentally becomes a repo man. And he keeps like having these run-ins with his punk friends yeah. where they are robbing liquor stores and robbing gas stations. Mm -hmm. And he just keeps missing them. Like he shows up a couple minutes later yeah. or... He gets there and they're hiding behind the counter. Right. And so it's this weird juxtaposition of his punk rock friends just mm -hmm. stealing cars and robbing people and hitting up pharmaceuticals. And then him dressed, like I said, a 1960s businessman. Yeah. Like riding along and repossessing cars. Yeah. And his look kind of reminded me of Michael Douglas in that movie, uh, Falling Down, a movie I haven't seen, but I know the poster. I also haven't seen this movie, but I know the one you're talking about. It's yeah. the crew cut and the skinny black tie. Yeah. And, and he's like, kind of fucked up, like bleeding. Yeah. And the kind of high-waisted pants. Mm -hmm. And even later in the movie when he's not wearing a suit, Emilio Estevez is wearing like a 1960s bowling looking shirt or like a lounge shirt that something sure. something Don Draper would wear yeah. on his Saturdays. <laughs> so it's this weird juxtaposition of how he completely sells out. But what he is selling out to is not, like, corporate culture. No, it's, like, one level above, like, living on the street. <laughs> They're basically... They're legal criminals is kind of what they are. Exactly. Like, these people, they recruit criminals. They recruit people who steal cars and know how to steal cars. Effectively. Effectively. But they have a license to do it because there is apparently an industry that needs such a thing. Well, it's like bounty hunters. It's the same thing where yeah. somebody says... I need this thing returned or this person returned to me mm -hmm. and I'm going to put a price on it yeah. and I'm going to get other people to do my dirty work. Sure. It's the same thing. Like I've seen other movies where it's just like random repossession. That's what they do. Yeah. And you make a lot of money doing it. I don't know who exactly it is. If it's the banks, if it's the dealerships, well, who it is that's chasing after these guys. In this case, it is like when they do their legitimate business, it is the creditors. So the people who are actually loaning the money to get these cars, it could also be like loan sharks. It, whoever is owning the title of these vehicles is putting the, the call out to go and repossess them because they're not paying. And in 1984, that could have been a much broader group of people. Yeah. But my, my real question here is getting into the plot of the movie, who put the contract out on the Malibu? Because all of these other cars are like four grand at most, five grand at most. My assumption is it's the government. It's a front. Like, they're just yeah. trying to get it out. But there's all kinds of details. Like, they have those brothers who are, like, their rival repo men. Yeah. But the woman who works at the front desk at their establishment is, like, working with those guys. And, like, puts Harry Dean Stanton on the alert 
that this car is available for twenty thousand dollars. Right, and then like that person helps Emilio Estevez later. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's, I don't get that. I I kind of lose track of people's motivations and what side they're on, mm-hmm. and it just sort of flows very willy nilly. Well, and that I could attribute that to the fact that Harry Dean Stanton is just talking like, "Hey, man, if I if I get this money, I'll take that twenty grand, and I'm just gonna go and open up my own shop and just hire my friends, and maybe I'll hire like some of these." other people and just have them do all the work for me but it doesn't really make any sense like it again it's just more dialogue more scenes as we get through the movie everybody's just flying by the seat of their pants like when they're working here you're doing it on commission they they the heredine stanton the when he is describing everything you're not getting a salary you're not getting an hourly wage once you actually get paid you get a percentage of that yeah, he says, this is better than a paycheck. You work on commission, yeah. which is such a salesman thing oh, to say. Sure. <laughs> the harder you work, the, the more, more money, money you make. make. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I mean, I would know. I, I've, I've worked on commission. But, but you also get a paycheck. I also got a, a salary on top of that. So yeah. that's very, very, it was more like a bonus the than The commission else. was a bonus. To work exclusively on commission is something very different. Yeah, yeah you got to work like all hours of the day. And they, they even talk about it. Work all hours of the day. Like get up at two o'clock in the morning. Be up all your, night. Start your day at three. Be up all night and go to bed at two in the afternoon and they all do drugs and they carry around weapons Mm -hmm. and they lie to people and tell them all kinds of stories to get to their cars and take them they get shot at they get beat up this is a fucked up choice for this guy to be like yes this is the career i want and harry dean stan has been doing it what do you say 11 years or something 12 years i didn't i didn't even catch it he said it at the end and everyone around him is just an eccentric Everyone who works in this place is just their own version of a weirdo. Particularly, I don't even remember his name, the guy who's like the mechanic. Yeah, the grease monkey is what I call him. The grease monkey. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he's just out in the yard spouting crazy talk. Crazy conspiracies about, you know, they keep talking about these these here uh, UFOs. And I think they're actually time machines. Where did all these people come from? They came from the future. Where did all these people go? They went to the past. Like, where are you getting this shit, man? But at the end, he's right because he right. can, he's the only one that can get through the invisible force field to the glowing <laughs> green car that he cannot drive. And he gets in and he flies around Los Angeles. Sure. And that's the end of the movie. Because sure. why not? Because, of course, the car can fly. By the end of it, it's gone so nuclear that it can. <laughs> Him and yeah. Emilio Estevez flying around Los Angeles. How else do you end this movie, though? I genuinely don't know. Yeah, there's like chase scenes and government agents and people burning bodies. <laughs> and it's all just kind of happening around him and nobody yep. cares. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, put another check mark on movies that feature the L.A. River for us. This, right. is, this is yet another one. <laughs> Man, I just keep on going back to like... This movie just defies description. I, I cannot really sit down and really give you a, a, a decent reaction to it because I'm just reeling. Like, we don't watch a lot of movies like this where it is just kind of meant to be incoherent, but I understood everything because it's kind of a simplistic story. It's very 1980s B-movie 
Like this Emilio is a BS B movie. Emilio Estevez was still pretty much a nobody. Yeah. At this point when in his career. When did Breakfast Club come out? Was it 85? 85. Yeah. So, so this he is was pre-Breakfast Club. Very unknown. Yeah. And obviously he's a Nepo baby, but people didn't I care as it. much yeah. about that in the 80s. It's true. <laughs> so he's making this movie and he's he's pretty good in it. He doesn't really have much to do. He's a little shit. He's a little shit. He's a punk rocker. And he even makes a self-reference to the fact that him and his other punk friends are just suburban kids who don't know right. what they're talking about. Right. So it's like, what's the point? Is this like an anti-establishment or a acknowledge that, you know, acknowledge your roots? Like, aliens? I don't, I don't know. Like, I, like you said, I, I mean, followed it, but I don't yeah. know what I just and saw. And like, going back to him, like, he's one of these, like, latchkey kids that came out of the 80s that didn't have any kind of parental guidance or help of any kind. They're just kind of floating through life. They didn't, like, he didn't finish school. His dad says, oh, yeah, I'll give you $1,000 if you go back to school and finish. But then the parents get sucked into these, like, televangelists and give them all their money. So let's talk about the parents for a minute. So just the one scene they're in. Yeah. My assumption looking at them is they're hippies or former hippies. Yeah. Which would make sense given the time frame and when he would have been born. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they're, like, sitting on the couch smoking weed. Yeah, but it's also California. But they're also watching, like you said, a televangelist. And the dad says, well, I don't have that $1,000 anymore. We gave all of our extra money yeah. to the, the reverend on TV. Right. Because they're going to buy Bibles for people in, like, fucking Uganda or something. What was that whole plot point? I think it might just be, hey... If these guys are meant to be like old hippies, this is where the hippie uh, lifestyle has has uh, led them. Or is it something more nefarious because at the end of the movie, that guy is brought by the right. government? Like, is it a giant government ruse? Like, watching TV, you'll be, like, brainwashed or something? Again, I think it might be more of the social commentary. Because at the end of the movie... He is called in by the nameless government agents who right. also might be robots or and something. he holds up a giant Bible. A giant Bible. <laughs> and, like, there's something that shoots out at it and it burns. Yeah, it lights up. Yeah. Why is he there? I don't really know what... Like, they give no explanation for any of the, the things happening in the last, like, five minutes of the movie. No, and then you've got all of the government agents are blonde, if you noticed that. Right. And the woman in charge has a metal hand. But she doesn't really have a metal hand, but she does. But it might also be gooey. I don't really I, know. I don't know. She wears a fucking, like, rhinestone glove like Michael Jackson. She's got a Michael Jackson glove. Like, what the fuck? But then the government is after his girlfriend, but then she's working with them later. Yeah, that that one, I like, just now when you mentioned that, That doesn't make a whole lot of sense because she's like way into the aliens, trying to expose their existence, working for this UFO thing called United Fruitcake Outlet, because of course. Yeah, the UFO. And she says she wants to go on Johnny Carson and expose the entire conspiracy, whatever. She gets taken in by the government agents and she says, well, I I would torture you if, if I was in your position. And they're trying to get all the information out of her, but she doesn't know anything. The only thing that she has is the connection to Otto. So they bring in Otto. They talk to to him in this bar. They don't bring him in right away. They just talk to him at the bar. And then later on, they take him in to get fucking tortured on a table. And then he's rescued right away. Like, that whole thing just... 
what? What is going on? <laughs> it has the vibe of a first-time filmmaker, like, through and through. It's, again, not bad. It's just there are some decisions that were made here. Like, Harry Dean Stanton getting shot, and then everybody yeah. in the place getting shot. Like, they all take each other out. But then he's fine. Talk about Tarantino. And he goes to the hospital, but he is coherent enough to go and steal the car right because he's got the malibu and then he is gunned down horribly by people in a helicopter and everyone around him is just like well look at him right look at bud right everything there is just so anticlimactic like bud gets shot down from a fucking helicopter he's saying these this weird shit like laying on the ground saying i want to die on my feet not on my knees it's like what are you talking about there are so many weird lines of dialogue throughout oh, this movie so like that. Oh, should we just get to that? <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, my favorite one, uh, there, there's a bunch of them, but my favorite one is when Emilio Estevez, the girl, and the, the woman agent are in the bar and they're questioning Otto and the punks come in from outside. They see Otto and they're roughing him up a little bit and they're doing the weird stuff with the hands and they're huffing the drugs that they, that they drop on the table very strange. But then one of the punks gets up and says, fuck this. Let's go do some crimes. <laughs> what? I also enjoyed uh, earlier in the movie when the government agents are investigating the cop who got annihilated by whatever's yeah. in the trunk. Yeah. They say spontaneous human combustion. He just exploded. People explode sometimes. Yeah, natural causes. Natural. He died of natural <laughs> causes. Or later on, the same punk who says, let's go do crimes. Yeah. When he gets shot up and he's laying on the floor bleeding and dying, he says, I blame society for my condition. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Society made me who I am. And that's where Otto says the line, dude, you're a subur suburban white kid like I am. Shut the fuck up. Just go and die. Is the commentary there that being a punk is just bullshit? Uh, I don't know about that. Maybe if you're a fake punk. Maybe. Like, if you have to be the real deal. Yeah. Like, they got Iggy Pop to write a song. The yeah. Repo Man song Iggy for this Pop movie. Himself, <laughs> yeah. And, like, the entire soundtrack is all, like, punk rock bands. Like, this is the second time in a f short amount of time we're, we're talking about uh, suicidal tendencies. Uh, they had actual Henry Rollins here. They had Black Flag in here, too. Mm -hmm. And a bunch of other, like, generic kind of punk music. Right. So... Uh, to take it back before we get completely off the quote conversation, yep. you got really excited at one point because you yeah, realized yeah. that there is a movie we have seen where someone is quoting Repo Man Holy and you shit. didn't know that. I had no idea. So in the movie Twister. The 1996 cinematic masterpiece. Fucking classic. If you haven't seen Twister, fuck you, go watch it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there is a moment where Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, Dusty, and it's this big kind of like action scene where they're all driving somewhere and they've got the fucking music blaring everywhere. And somebody else, and a guy who plays Belter in the front says something to the effect of, you know, repo man spend their life trying to avoid, avoid 10 situations. And then Dusty in the back, Philip Seymour Hoffman says the other half of that line. And he, then he yells Belter. I had no idea that that line comes directly from this movie. He quotes something else, too. He also says, this is tense. This is intense. Yeah, this is intense. Yeah. When I'm given the context of Repo Man, suddenly his character makes a lot more sense. 
I guess. <laughs> but no, I had no idea he was quoting Repo Man. But you reacted very strongly when he said that yeah. line. So I believe you entirely <laughs> that that is what he yeah, said. I do not remember the the exact line, but yes, that is quoted verbatim by people in Twister. Oh, I know what we're doing after this is done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to find you the thing and you can see it. But anyway. All right. Uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about was when we first meet Emilio Estevez's character, Otto, he is working in a grocery store Mm -hmm. and we only see one aisle of groceries Clearly, because this movie had a very small budget, oh, yeah. they had very limited access to be able to do product placement in that they don't have any and they can't put products here. But, so, oh, okay, they actually do have product placement. We'll, we'll, we'll get, get to there. That. So they brand everything with these just basic ass white labels yep. with blue lettering. Yep. And they say things like food and drink and Tastios. And beer and pretzels. And it is a can, it is a can of food that just says food, but underneath it, it says meat flavored. What the fuck <laughs> was all of that? Like okay. the first time I understood it in the grocery store, in the context of the store, yes. you're showing an entire row. They're stacking cans. You don't want to deal with products. You just do a you generic You don't brand. want to ba- bother going to these companies and getting clearance to show labels no. and shit like that. I get that. But in this case, in the IMDb trivia, the I guess the director said the reason why he did the generic brands is because it is a commentary on the, the way that consumerism was going at the time. Because in the mid-80s, there were di- different brands that were trying to like reduce prices and like not have to pay for like really fancy labeling and designers to design all these these labels. So why not just do something very generic? That's what that's about. Okay. So again, it's like commentary on the establishment. It is, but it's very sloppy and it doesn't really come across clearly. And of course, it goes throughout the movie. So as we go to different locations, like the the liquor store. Right. When you're in these like wide shots, they tend not to do it. But if it's in a frame in a close enough yeah. shot. And like the, the version of this, of this movie that we have is fucking clear as a bell. You can see everything. Well, and that's one thing I was going to say. So there are two moments in this movie where I see actual product names. Yes. One of them, the first time we're in the liquor store, you can actually read on the back wall, Jim Bean and Jameson and all of that. But I'd be willing to bet it's because in 1984 on film, that wasn't such a problem. They knew it was going to be out of focus, so they didn't bother with it. Because it's not until later when they shoot up the liquor store and they're really close up to the bottles that right. they have those labels on them. Because the the Criterion people does they do such a great job. This is in, glorious in, 4K cleaned up. <laughs> right, it's it's so so good. You can see a hell of a lot more than what they what you were expecting to see. Uh, and yeah, you see these labels like back at his parents' house where they have like the oats on uh, the oats on the the counter. They have the the can of meat and they have like milk brand milk and they're drinking beer brand beer i love it i love that stuff but yeah like i said in in the 80s that's the stuff you would be paying attention to you wouldn't actually be able to see clearly all Mm -hmm. the actual name brand stuff the other time 
I saw it, and this was a weird one. There is a massive billboard when he is getting off the bus to go home. Yeah. And it says Marlboro. Yeah, Marlboro Lights. Not only is it a billboard for a real product, but it is a billboard for cigarettes. This was in the 80s when they still had paid advertisement Mm -hmm. out in the world for cigarettes. Yep. We are so far removed from that now. It's very jarring to see it. You don't, you take for granted mm-hmm. how much that you and I would have seen that when we were kids. Oh, yeah. And in movies from around this time and TV shows. And now it's just gone. Nobody you lets just you get away you with it. You can't do it. You can't. But the fact that it's a fucking billboard, it is the biggest advertisement in this movie. Yeah. That well, is wild. Well, speaking of the product placement and whatever else, the thing I mentioned before where there is actually product placement here. One of the sponsors of this movie who put money in to get it made is the company that makes those little tree air fresheners. The little pine trees. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously, they put money into this movie and they had their products prominently featured. Everywhere. (laughs) Everywhere. They're in every car. Yeah. It's on the doorknob at the hotel to signify this is the right room. Right. It doesn't make any sense why it's there. Not at all. Other than let's put one more just for good measure. (laughs) And of course, this movie is produced by a monkey. Not like an animal, like one of the guys who was in the band, The Monkeys. The Monkeys, yes. So there's so many weird elements about where the money and the funding from this came from and how they are representing money and funding on screen. And I've never heard of this this director. His his last name is Cox. I I have no idea if he's done anything else since this. He did Sid and Nancy a couple years after this. Another punk movie. Okay. Which I've never watched. It's that's the story of the, the Sid Vicious. Yeah. Is that him? Yeah. I don't know the other other gal. It's his girlfriend okay. who he murdered. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know that whole situation. I, I am apparently I am unfamiliar with this with that story. Yeah, there's there's a there's a story there. All right. All right. Well, we're hopping all over the place, but I just don't know how else to tackle this movie because the movie is also yeah. all over the place. Uh-huh. So one question I have for you: Why do they have a cop? hanging out at the repo office. What's the point of him? He's sitting there knitting. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get the knitting part, but... Yeah, later on in the movie, he is fully just sitting there knitting. I don't know. Is he like an off-duty security guard, but he also has a real job as a cop? Is it just the uniform no, of a cop? No, he's definitely a cop because there was a cop car parked out front in several scenes. He is in a cop uniform. Huh. I don't know. I was trying to work out his presence there, why he needs to be there. Is it because of what they do for a living? People follow them home and yeah. start shit? And, like, there's some unsavory people that you're maybe re- repossessing vehicles from, and they come in and start some shit. And if there's a cop there, they're a lot less likely to actually start some shit. But it's always the same cop. It's not a security guard. So I just, no. I was trying to figure it out. But then by the end of the movie, he's like pulling his gun on one of the employees there. So I don't really know why he did that. And then Emilio throws an entire boiling pot of coffee on him. Right. Like so, everybody's allegiances get very muddy at the end of the movie. Yeah, and I get that because of the the type of business that you're doing. You're, you are basically there as, as a contract employee. You're not an employee. You're not getting paid. No, you get commissioned. You just get commissioned. Exactly. So there are no loyalties to the company or anybody else there. And the the only thing, like the only relationship that really counts here is between Bud and Otto. 
Herodine Stan and Emilio Estevez. And by the end, even Emilio like fucks off and leaves him for dead. Yeah, he gets shot and he's dying there and he's right. kind of holding him. And then we have no idea what happens. I assume he's dead because they just sort of cut away and we watch well, him fly off in a spaceship. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like during the, the shootout scene, like I saw that he got like hit in the ear. Right, but he abandoned him there. He did. He just sort of assumed he was dead, I guess. He didn't really even check on him. No, he, he just... He checked on his buddy. He fucked off. I don't get it. I don't know. And there's also, like, the, the idea where these other people... Like, how many people are dead in this liquor store? Like, three? It's the shop owner. It is the punk kid. It and the is other security the guard. The other security guard who was also in the grocery store? Like, was that the same store that Amelia was working at at the beginning of the movie? It wasn't the same store, but that was the guy from the store. Yeah, it was the security guard from that store. Which, by the way, in that opening scene, he pulled his gun on Otto. On a punk-ass bitch. As, <laughs> as he is walking out quitting. Yeah, because he is so awful, he has to whip that gun out and what spin it. What the fuck? I don't know. Well, also <laughs> remember, after Otto gets his ass kicked... All of the other repo men say, who did it? Tell us a right, name. And right. he, the name he gives them is his old boss. Right. So that's who they go and kick the shit out of. Yeah. Why? Because it's the repo man code. They're all about the code. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if if you're paying attention, they break every single one of the rules right. throughout the movie. Like, they damage the car, and mm -hmm. they hotwire the car, mm -hmm. and they pop the thing off and, hot, you know, jam some metal in there and right. start it that way. Yeah. They're very flagrant about the rules because it's punk rock. Well, Bud is the one who has the code anyway. He's the one who describes it. I don't see him doing it, but but everybody else does. If we really wanted to get analytical, it's probably that thing where he's the older generation and he's playing it straight, but really everyone else is punk. You got to do it the punk rock way. And and then later he crosses a line and that's what does him in. Like sure. it's only when he crosses into doing the wrong thing that he gets shot up. <laughs> like if you really want to be analytical about it. Yeah. Well, Trent, do you have some other things you would like to bring up before we start winding down on Repo Man? The only thing here is the scene where Otto is kind of getting trained and he's like, he's riding along with other Repo Men. And one of the guys, like, gives him a tip. Like, hey, this I only use this with, with girls or with ladies who are driving the car. And he gives him a paper bag. And at, like, a stoplight, he goes over to this woman in a, in a convertible and says, hey, are you so-and-so? Yeah, I got something for you. And he throws a dead fucking rat into the convertible. Uh-huh. And the, and the woman is completely nonplussed by it. It's like, oh, what are you doing? Get that out of here. Okay, bye. And then she just drives off, followed by the other repo man, uh, I leaving guess him there. First, she maces him or pepper sprays him in the face. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they both just speed off into whatever and leaves uh, leaves Otto on the side of the road. Uh, speaking of, there's one more thing I wanted to say. Uh, near the end of the movie, Otto and Bud have a fight and Otto just stops the car or somebody stops the car in the middle of the road. Otto gets out. And he just starts walking down the sidewalk and it's like this fucking skid row of, of, a, of a street where there's just half a dozen to a dozen people just laid out on, on the ground. And then at one point you also have the people in like the hazmat suits pick up a almost dead guy or maybe a dead guy off the street and put him into a, a van. Yeah, that's a thing that happens. Yeah. I don't know. Is it supposed to be... 
that that's where the car went through. And as we get through the movie farther, the car is getting more and more radioactive. So it's affecting the people around him. Maybe. That's like the best guess I can give you for that. Well, and also like as he's walking by, there's all these like papers flying around. You also have this guy who has like advertisements of his face. He's running for like city council or something. No idea. I don't know. They don't address that at all, but his no. face is everywhere. So maybe it's like the director's dad or some crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I don't really have anything else to say about this one. I'm really glad we watched it. I mean, it it fits into so many different kinds of series that we could have done, but I wouldn't have known before we actually watched it. Because again, I knew nothing about this movie whatsoever. Sometimes we pick movies that sort of vaguely tie into what we're otherwise doing and we don't even realize it. Yeah. Like we're doing the spooky, scary yeah. Halloween stuff. It's, it's kind of in that vein too. It's kind of in that. It, like I said, it could be a cult movie. It's a weird movie. There are skeletons in the movie there are skeletons (laughs) there's you know aliens there's a lot of stuff that make it a good fit for october yeah i too am glad we watched it it's it's bizarre we'll see if we watch it again someday i mean i'll say this i would say it's a thumbs up for me i liked the movie but good god is it fucking weird well if you are a strong supporter of Repo Man, we would definitely love to hear from you. How could you not be? Tell us the thing we missed. What is it that made this movie such a cult classic? Yeah. What is it that makes you love this movie? Tell us about it. Send us an email, neverseenapod at gmail.com. We do have an email from our superfan, Stephanie, about a movie we did a few weeks ago, Empire Records. So another, like, yep. damn the man, mm-hmm. music kind of related film. She begins... Betsy, how on earth did you not force Trent to watch this earlier? (laughs) Empire Records is one of those movies I watched in rotation in high school and college. It is absolutely wonderful. It was. Well, you know, I wanted Trent to watch it, and I finally got my my chance. It's not for lack of trying. It's just it took a podcast to do it. (laughs) It is so fun to see baby Renee Zellweger and Liv Tyler. To me, this is how I picture Ethan Embry, so it is weird to see him older. I've always wanted to work at a store like this, too. LOL, Warren. Why they chose Warren Beatty, I have no clue. And why how he got a gun is beyond me. Yeah, we talked about it in the episode. Like, I always wanted to want to, to, to work in a, a store like this as well. Just to hang around these types of people. Because I wasn't that type of a person at the time. And maybe I would have been molded in a different way. Well, in like... Empire Records, Repo Man is another one of these, how did he get a gun? Why are they there? What's going on? And it's just a bunch of scenes throughout the movie. Just just brush it off. You don't have to ask that question. It ain't that kind of movie, kid. Yep. (laughs) Uh, She wraps up, I just got a job at my kid's preschool and most of the teachers, me included, have tattoos. So yay for relaxed attire. Hell yeah. Yeah, one of the things we were talking about, if you haven't heard that episode, was about... It used to be a lot less common yeah. for you to be able to get a job if you had a bunch of visible tattoos. Or you had to go or out of else. your way to yeah. do it. Most people are getting a lot more relaxed or about like that. Crazy colored hair. Like mm-hmm. there's so many different places I see that now and it's it's just great. I love it. Yeah, damn the man. Dye your hair purple. <laughs> she concludes, love you guys, and oh Rexy, you're so sexy. <laughs> oh no. But yes, we had a good time with that one. We had a good time with this one. 
Thank you, Stephanie, as always, for sending us emails. If you would like to be like Stephanie, you too can email us, neverseenapod at gmail.com. You too can be a super fan. You too can be a super fan. You can also share our content and follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, the artist formerly known as Twitter. And? And we are now on Blue Sky. Blue Sky. So we're testing that out and see how we feel about it. We are never seen it on Blue Sky. Yeah, so look us up on there if you haven't already. If you're in that platform, definitely follow us on that. Yeah. But most of all, we would love if you would go to your podcast app of choice, write us a review, rate us five stars, and tell your friends about Never Seen It. Yeah. But that is going to be it for Repo Man. We are doing kind of random episodes on the Wednesdays in October. We just did our first episode of Never Scream It. So on Sunday, you can look forward to another one of those and all the rest of the Sundays through October. There's five of them this month. That's right. And that's kind of going to be the plan. For this, these next couple of weeks here. Yeah. But with that, this has been another episode of Never Seen It. I want to thank you all for listening. Trent, I want to thank you, as always, for being my co-host. And until next time, my name is Betsy. And my name is Trent. And we will see you then. Do crimes! <laughs>